Hello, my friends. Today we are talking to Sean, the CTO at Business Solver, and we discuss what it means to be strongly customer driven, the importance of building personal relationships, and how to enable your teams to take ownership and solve problems. All of this right here, right now, on the Modern CTO Podcast. This is the Modern CTO Podcast. So then you're in Iowa today. How big is your team in Iowa? In this office, we run about 90 people, but across the country, we're right around 140, 145. You guys are very passionate. I read your website. I like your culture a lot. Yeah, it's awesome. Uh, you know, we really live that life of reality around here, which is makes for a great work environment as well as the empathy. And you, but you post it right it's not like you just have it it's you post it it's on your website the designer spent time creating the icons and the illustrations it's like you guys really care absolutely yeah one of the founders ray shanahan just does an awesome job in that and we Cy wakeman's one of our leaders that helps us down that path as well and that's it's kind of to be expected because i'm new in the hr space right but they really care like they really care about people they really care about having quality experience. And so that made me excited to see that. I agree. You know, probably the biggest piece, you know, being a little older than the average tech person, you know, is that benefits really are, you know, accounting for 35% of your wages or higher in your company. And, and we just don't teach it. It's a big piece that I actually am really proud of in business solver that we really try to get people to understand that their benefits are as important as their paycheck. That is that is true. And now I'm curious. I saw in your in your bio that you were there, right? You're uh, there at the beginning, it seemed, and then you did like some board stuff, and you went away, and then you came back. Which I'm always interested when people go and come back. Like I talked to Salesforce and stuff. It's really interesting. So can you explain a little bit about that transition? Um, sure. I'd probably take you back a little bit farther. Okay. Um, you know, my love for technology is really around data. I came out of school at the time where people were writing these big, huge mammoth software packages, and they really expected people to change the way they did business. And it honestly, it drove me crazy. And I was like, so if I could get to the data, I could really technology in the way I wanted it. My founding company was DataVision, where I allowed young people to come in and actually build their technology in our platform. Uh, use our security, even use some of our programs. So really incubated before incubation was cool <laughs> um, back in the day. But one of the ideas of incubation and data vision was business solver. So we actually founded the technology side of business solver inside of data vision, actually built the first version of it inside of data vision. John, my partner, founder with me, um, actually came over to the office quite a bit when we were really building that first version. So I stayed at Data Vision and kept incubating and building data technology, really true data tech entrepreneur. Ended up selling Data Vision to Equifax in 2011 and helped incubate a couple other companies, but stayed in contact, obviously, with the company throughout. And then we began a search for a CTO. And that's when I made the suggestion now, but I just step off the board and come back as a CTO of the company. That's exciting. And how's it been since you've done that? 
You know, it's great, you know, being a tech entrepreneur from startup mode where really there's one or two people sitting in a room to really having a team like we have, it's just been awesome. You know, people from all across the country, you get to talk to and work with, learn different styles. It's been a great piece coming back. I really enjoy it. So were you always in technology? Like when you were a kid, when you were 10 years old, were you still fiddling with technology? Oh, yeah. I, I hate to age myself, but love to play Pong <laughs> on my Mac back in those days. And um, really kind of from the ground up, you know, probably the heart and what I try to talk to a lot of people about, you know, when the calculator came about, you know, you kind of forgot to do math on a piece of paper. I kind of came back from the programming stage where, you know, I'm not really part of the drag and drop generation where I can actually key on a keyboard and make something work. You know, and I really love starting with a blank white screen, probably my true passion, you know, and there's nothing wrong with what I kind of call the customer service programming where you already have the code there, but I just love the blank white screen. It's weird how it's changing though, like it, especially with the mobile apps, like I got my my start in what you're talking about, right? Just blank screen programming. And then when you when I started getting getting into iOS development, the interface is so tied to the dragging and dropping, it's really unique skill. It's kind of cool to be able to, when you're building mobile apps is just completely different for me. Yeah. I'll, I'll be honest with you. It, it amazes me even to this day, including the AI and the machine learning. I just, you know, from where I started with really command line world to, you know, even the database world, you know, I worked in Beatreve where you really are all command line and coming up to build huge indexes to now the the oracles, the SQL Server, you know, the Dynamos, whatever. It's just amazing, the changes. And the mobile apps for me, I, I just love the graphical interfaces, how they interact with the data. It's just really cool. It is It is so advanced, all the different design. I, I was looking recently, like Sketch is like a design program. And they are taking that so far. They're, they have like a, like we have DevOps. Well, now they have like design ops where you make yep. changes and they replicate across. It's just so cool how much everything is changing so fast. Yeah, I, I can tell you, you know, the analogy of technology moving, that really the last five years for me has been like lightning fast in technology, you know, especially when you come from the data side in the 90s where you're really figuring out how to move data around and figuring out how bandwidth actually worked <laughs> to today where you have almost unlimited bandwidth and the ability to move larger objects it's just incredible in the last five years and like the mindset on how everything is changing from how we look at building products to how we make sure that they have revenue streams associated with them so they don't end up being <laughs> these huge you know money pits i actually just had on uh the authors of um product mindset have you read that book yet yep yep yeah okay. i love it <laughs> that that is a that is a good book it's like how they think about product i'm just a big fan of it recently yeah, I, I definitely agree. I, you know, you know, as we used to laugh in the waterfall and agile methodologies, you know, and literally I, I'd go sit in the closet by myself and write a code and come out and say, does this work? And to today where we have complete agile teams and the talent on the product side in our organization, including that UI UX kind of that you're talking about, including our mobile apps, those people are just amazing. And, you know, when you're a true coder and you just don't, get to see that whole picture all up front, you know, I think it's really changed dramatically. And I love how the product is so deeply involved in 
to your point, the term ROI or return on investment has to be in every equation. So, so what are your responsibilities today as a CTO at Business Solver? You know, the, you know, I, I've always believed in technology and it's probably in every industry that there's so much amazing talent. And if I came in every day and made that talent blossom to what they're good at, I think a lot of times we try to put somebody into a position that they aren't necessarily good at because there's a hierarchy in the org chart or um, I want this bigger job. And, you know, for me, it's making everybody feel important as that oil oil machine, that their piece is just as valuable if the title's not there. And and I think every day my job is to make that machine work and, and bring out their talent. I've always, you know, you've heard of the tomato timers for coders where you want them to concentrate for an hour and take a half an hour break or but I truly believe that if you give somebody the tools and the mechanism and the time to really dig in for even a true hour of your day and you make that machine work well together, that's my job. It, it should be my job every day doing that. You know, I, I always like, I have a dove analogy, but you know, if you're going to touch the stove burner once, that's, you're going to do it on your own. You know, if you touch it the second time, that's probably my fault. And if you touch it your third time, you're probably not good at it. <laughs> so. <laughs> so. Just kind of a dumb analogy. <laughs> no, I like it because especially I have a small child and she keeps trying to touch yeah. the stove. <laughs> yeah, I'm teaching her. No, you can you can open the oven door if that's what you want to do because it's off most of the time. But don't touch the blue flame. <laughs> yep, you get it. <laughs> um, but aside from that, you know, really working with the executive team, working with the board, and. And technology, I think, you know, just talking to you and getting to watch what you do, simplifying technology to business terms and to real solutions and making that teamwork are my, it is, is my daily job. Yes. I love it too. And I love that you're very aware of it. <laughs> yep. Yep. Very aware of it. So what's the culture like on the engineering team? Like, what do you value uh, as software professionals? You know, that. The term old and new, I don't like very well, but the way of, I, I always say this, and it's the one thing when I guess speak in classes at universities and stuff, technology and coding are really a small piece of it. It's what I call clean thinking. If a technologist or a product person or a BA or a QA person sits down and has clean thinking, they can accomplish more than somebody writing the best testing script, the best automation script, the best code in the world. And so our teams that we take a lot of pride in here is allowing for that clean thinking. We have a stand up with every one of our teams every day here at Business Solver. And we also care about their personal life and actually allow them to say a blue sparkle. I'm not really sure where that came from. I probably should figure out, but you get to say something good like your daughter did something last night or, you know, really that team bonding and that chemistry and those engineers is in the whole agile teams is is very unique here and i just always want the people that have been here for a while to use their clean thinking to pass on to the next clean thinking and i want the new people to come in and say hey i have a new idea and have the current team say hey i'm open to listening to it and looking at it so i kind of group all that into clean thinking and I also take a lot of pride on the teams and I, I think it's the same thing in the education system. It's making all the pieces work together. I mean, the server 
or the cloud can't be a black box to an engineer. They have to understand what it is. Even the BAs and everybody on that agile team has to understand those processes out there. So really a lot of pushing on the clean thinking and make all the pieces work properly and no finger pointing. <laughs> yeah, strong individual ownership culture. You got it. <laughs> so have you written a book called Clean Thinking? Is it in progress? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know, um, my kids give me a hard time sometimes that I should write something down, but no, not yet. I, I, you know, I really enjoy working with the next generation. Obviously, I have a passion for Iowa State University. And they've done some great jobs with like starter businesses and starter coding programs. And so I've really been a big part of that. I really enjoy that. No, I like how you're involved in the community. That actually changed my entire life getting more involved. I used to be more introverted and quiet and just think it was kind of silly or pointless. But then I found out like relationships are everything and everything you want, someone else has. <laughs> Like, right. You have to learn yes. to, to work with people. So how, how have relationships and being involved in the community, how has that enriched or impacted your life? You know, I, I used to laugh because I was probably your typical co coder that looked down at his shoes when he walked into a meeting. And, you know, I had a couple of key people in my life that, you know, told me to pick my eyes up and look them in the eye, shake their hands strongly. And honestly, being a tech entrepreneur, I had to sell, you know, I had to go out and really learn what it was like to sell a solution and an application. Um, you know, in the old days, it was selling a software and the software did this. We, we really sell a solution. Our solution changes. I mean, we were, we were truly SaaS before SaaS was cool here at Business Solver. And, you know, our application, I always say this every day, if we need the tech department, we messed up, you know, because we should have the tools out there for you to use. And really, just gearing that towards it. You know, I, I'm pretty fortunate in town that, I, you know, I've gotten to know a lot of the people around town as well, as well as around the United States. And building those relationships was huge for me. I always tell the story, I was pretty lucky. I had a person here in Des Moines that when I first started my business that ended up at Sports Illustrated was probably my big career break from a technology standpoint. But they love the Iowa, the Midwest ethic, and they just kept tossing me work after work after work. So that relationship piece was absolutely huge. So do you have a strong work ethic? I'd say I'm probably compulsive, <laughs> maybe in a little bit of terms. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm truly the definition of a customer-driven person. You know, with that said, I believe strongly in technology that you have to push back at times. Because a lot of times the business doesn't really know what they're asking for. And when you give them something, if it reaches the old 90-10 rule, that 90% of their problems go away. I believe strongly in that, you know, that pushback side of it. So like deeply understanding their needs. Yes. And, and sometimes I hate to say it, even the customer probably doesn't understand their needs at some point. You know, take business solver, you get a summary plan description that's 100 pages long that HR department person doesn't want to really read that. They want to put it in terms where you and I are talking like, you know, are you skydiving? Are you, you know, they want a real conversation and business solver, I believe wholeheartedly we we have an engine that we branded called My Choice. And we wrote a recommendation engine like you and I are sitting here having this conversation about what benefits are right for you. You know, 10 years ago, you know, it's health, 
live dental, you know, and now the plan variations literally in some of our setups with some of the larger corporations across the United States, we get up in the hundreds of plan variations. And that just blows my mind that we have to translate that down to that English I talked to you about earlier. So who's your primary customer? Is there anyone listening that would be a customer? You know, we have several, you know, there's very large technology shop. We, you know, five years ago, we were trying to stick to 10,000 lives and below in our customer base. Um, about five years ago, we ventured above 10,000. And because of the flexibility in our system and the setup and the ability to do it, we've really started etching that up. Um, we've had go lives in the last couple of years with some large, very large employers with over 100,000 lives in them in several of them. So our, our customer base went from an average of 10,000 lives and below to actually a, probably about a 40,000 life and above average. So I've actually got some questions from the audience that came through from our sure. producer. Is that cool that I asked some of these? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, the first question is, how do you structure your engineering teams? Do you match certain personality types to fill gaps, strengths, or weaknesses? Like, How do you uh, structure engineering teams? Uh, absolute great question. <laughs> um, you know, I I have weird terms, but I, I try to eliminate the shiny new ball effect. You know, when you have 15 agile teams and one team always gets the product marketing every week or the sales pitch every week, you know, the shiny new ball effect, I, I just never want in our environment. So yes, we have teams that are dedicated on their personality and their strengths. Um, for example, payroll in our organization, we create the deductions for payroll off, off your benefits. It's very critical. You don't want to miss a penny on your paycheck. Those personalities, there's a, you know, for fine details, that team came together really great and was able to accomplish that. But I take a, in our innovation group um, out in Seattle and, and in Florida and those in Denver, you know, we really want that shiny new ball effect to, to travel around the organization. And candidly, we move people, you know, you know, sometimes people walk in and we let them go to another team, um, try to avoid this generation of the boomerang effect uh, in essence by allowing them to move around. Yes. Yeah, so that's the good, I want to talk a little bit about that area. So I, I couldn't tell if you were, if you were pro moving around or, or not moving around, which do you like the moving around or no? I, I like the moving around in certain areas. I like to have the talent in areas. So I, I we modified the agile teams to put a tech manager over a couple of and a product manager over a couple of teams. So as those people gain more knowledge of the overall system, they can share knowledge across two teams. So it makes it very easy for a person to move from team to team in that pyramid scheme, but also Yes, is a short answer. I don't mind them moving around, but we kind of run in cycles. So we need to stick to that yearly cycle. So heading into October and November here is really what we call our Super Bowl, where 85% of our business comes in two months. Um, oh. You know, so we, we run a di little different organization. So you enroll in your benefits during, obviously, most companies at the end of the year. So we, we have critical timing. So it's kind of, we can't just let them move every month. Um, but year to year, I'm a pro. I would be pro in allowing them to move around to learn, especially to learn other areas. And and so you guys, do you do payroll as well? We do payroll deductions. So okay. we feed. So as you calculate your benefits, 
you'll deduct like $10 for health insurance, $5. And, and with the new laws out there, companies are actually handing you $100 and say, put where you want to spend your $100. So we need to deduct the amounts off your check for that as well. So, and then we feed that deduction into the payroll system. So we're connected every day. We send in and out over a thousand files or APIs to carriers, to payroll companies, to update your data as it comes in and out of our organization. It's actually what I believe coming from the tech guy is the value of our business is really the input and the output, what's coming into the place and going out of the place. So you back and do processing and calculations for payroll companies. Absolutely. For all the benefit deductions. We also do the billings for the large corporations where I actually build the billing for a carrier based upon your employee census and create the bill right online for them as well. And then we pay. have a strong partner. Yeah. The carrier relation. You know, not to back up on you, but a little bit about business solver. You know, in 1997, I was doing a, a paper enrollment for a very large computer company in the Midwest not in business anymore, but probably can guess who it is, but there were 7,000 employees and they printed off 7,000 sheets of paper. And they, I turn all that paper into data for simplistic terms into Excel sheets to send to carriers. They literally called me back and had me photocopy 7,000 sheets of papers to mail to the carrier, which is where we really came up with the fact of we needed to get the data and get a standard and next year, I pre-filled that paper form and put a box same as last year at the top. And 67% checked that same as last year. So really where we started the company from was really exchanging that data properly with the carriers, with the payroll companies. We probably started backwards and not building the front side first. And obviously, we've caught up and brought that back together. No, I, I love what you guys are doing. And I like the... Like back then, there was no... Uh... API for you to just mail letters. <laughs> like today you can just API in and send hundred thousand letters out. You don't have to touch anything. It's just a JSON request over there. And then letters go out through a third party service, but you guys had to build all that infrastructure. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I laughed to this day, you know, when I went into John and said, there has to be a better way than all this paper, you know, and he and I sat in a, in a little room at, at, a, at the office and tried to figure it out. But at the time, you know, I even went to the ANSI committee, you know, the national standard for data exchange back in those days. And I had done a lot of ANSI 837, which is medical claims. And I said, well, we need an enrollment and eligibility standard. And I don't want to say they laughed at me, but they basically said there'll never be a need for an enrollment and eligibility standard. And sure enough, in three years after Business Solver, there was a standard for it. So. I love it. Well, there's always people that you get, like you mentioned earlier, that you had to learn sales, right? I'm an entrepreneur as well. When I think of, I don't really think like, will this work or will this not work? I just think how many people will I have to talk to before I get one that says yes? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> because there's always hard someone. To, hard to know. <laughs> yes. So back to some of the, some of the guest questions. Um, what tips do you have for getting the most out of your teams and making sure that they live up to their potential? Um, you know, the personal relationship obviously is always number one. You know, you can always tell if you have a relationship, if the day's good or the day's bad. Um, that will always be my judgment. You know, I, I teach my kids this and I try to teach it in this organization. You don't have to like everybody. You don't have to love everybody. And you don't have to dislike anybody. But when you walk by them, you can say hi. 
to each other and that high can lift somebody up so high if they just you know if i walk by and say hi it's just a big thing for them but you know the the real lift i kind of talk about a lot is that synergy between all the areas you know because the company doesn't work unless they know the sales is working and that's really this business of our way that i was talking about earlier today where we we actually put together a powerpoint every day and it takes areas of the company and and talks about what they're doing we even make up little skits like breakfast club skits um, for our annual enrollment for our busy time so really the interaction back and forth is really really important for me so you spend time intentionally figuring out how to communicate make sure everyone's on the same page and keep it fresh and relevant absolutely you know we, we have the typical Atlassian tools and tracking and all that stuff where you can go in and read but the stand-ups in the business of our way and one of the things that i think we're really unique is we're tied together with product marketing which is kind of unique in technology i mean we have a whole team that talks to every one of our teams to publicize what we're doing every week it's a little bit of pride there you know and need to get your stuff wednesday's our day on business of our way and just last week we had 38 pages of stuff you know and people have a drive to want to get their stuff on that page and get it out there and it's actually kind of funny i've been pushing our devops team to even let the rest of the company know some of their stuff they're doing in the cloud that nobody will ever see and that stuff's starting to show up and it's really fun to get them self-motivated living in reality <laughs> i think that's the first time this has ever been brought up on the show i love it yes i i i've been finding this to be true so here at our company we've grown to 15 people in the past year and one of the biggest changes that helped really build momentum as we began to break even and then become cash flow positive was this morning stand-up meeting. And it was sales understood what product was doing, who understood what marketing was doing, and everybody had this idea. And you know, at first, I thought, oh, that might be like a waste of time to catch up with product in front of sales or anything like that. But what happens is your sales team excitement is directly tied to what's going on in the product. And if the sales team isn't excited about what's going on, like that's all, it's all important to get everybody together. And I'm seeing that emerge as a very significant pattern. You know, it's kind of funny, you know, my generation wasn't too much of a cheerleader, but when we have a big sales team going out for kickoff, we have what we call a clap out. And literally, we'll bring some of our technology people in if they help, and they'll clap out the people that are leaving on the plane or for the next two days, you know. So we really I take a lot of pride in people supporting each other. You know, I, I, I kind of touched on the stand-up, but we even go really deeper here. We actually, John, who's the CEO and founder with me, and he has what we call John Talks every month. Probably seems really simple, but a half an hour every month, the whole company dials in. If you're in the office, you go in the, to the room that he's speaking and he'll move around and Ray, Ray and John both. And then we'll bring in guest speakers from the company that are doing something important in the area and the pride of the company to actually see and have the CEO out there in front and telling them where we're heading. And sometimes they even let me talk on the technology pieces out in front as well. So we do take a lot of pride in that communication piece. That is awesome. So you guys do that every month? Every month. Yep. It's called John Talks. You know, John kind of kicks it off and closes it out, but different pieces as we're coming into important time. 
so each year, like for annual enrollment, we, we have a theme right now. We call it game on. So the game's on last year was rock and roll, I believe. And so we actually send packets out to our customers so that they have game on like cheerleading stuff. And so we, we get the customers to actually interact with the office and they actually send us pictures in with them using our materials and stuff. So we do a lot of interaction with the clients as well. I love it. You guys have an extreme amount of culture. I, I would say so. You know, and, and it's good. It's it's awesome. But there's also that some people that just aren't don't like this culture. You know, and we're actually very honest. If you don't like it, we'll pay you to leave. You know, so it is. A, you know, it it's a very good culture. You know, we treat. You know, we have lunches brought in for the whole company every Wednesday. We have breakfast every other Monday, and every Friday afternoon we have appetizers and drinks for the company. We really want to treat people as if they're part of a family here. And and those pieces are really, really important to us. Yeah, because we found that your vibe attracts your tribe, right? Like you got absolutely great line. <laughs> and and you and so by amplifying, you know, your culture, that's just attracting more people who are interested in that. Is that what you have found? Absolutely. You know, and, and it does get to some extremes, you know, or somebody that doesn't want to be in it. It actually, they can take an extreme attitude towards us. and But that's why we just sometimes have to, we stick to our culture and it's what we're going to be. And we're, I believe, are the best in the industry at it. So I've, I've got a good question here that I'm actually personally really interested in. And it's how do you make your different office locations feel all like you're one? You know, we, this is a great question. We talk about this in exact in executive meetings lots and lots as we're getting more and more expertise in the remote workplace. I'm going to say it very, very simply. It starts with technology. We spend a lot of money on technology to make sure that our connections, just this here between you and I works. And those daily stand-ups we have, um, you can walk into almost every one of them and you have at least two people dialed in, if not four people, if not a whole office. Not as much in the technology area, but in a lot of the other areas, the teams are actually split up across cities so that we're covering the whole nation during their time zones. And just from a travel point of view and really just connecting in through technology. In Business Over Way, every day we feature a different remote person and they get to talk about and almost every day that I read it on a remote person or a remote office, they talk about the stand-up and the connection back to their team from a technology perspective is the number one source. There's lots of other little things that we do. Those game on kits, for example, we'll send out to a remote worker if they're on a big account or something. So we get them definitely involved. And we do not lack in spending on travel. We believe it's important for some face-to-face time as well. So if I were to summarize it, I'd say you have fantastic technology to make sure the connection's as high quality as possible. And then you have the same culture items and values happening within. So like you do stand-ups in all your offices. That's something that's standardized across all of them. And then you get together as a group. Yep. Yep. You know, one of the really unique things Ray came up with a year ago, and you know, we had different ways of solving problems. We created what we call answer bar. <laughs> And Answer Bar is literally a coffee shop on our first floor where you can walk in with your laptop and say, my sound's not working or I need help. In our Answer Bar, we actually even have TVs where we'll have people from different cities be on call. So 
if you have a help desk person in Denver and he, you plug your machine into that station, he can connect in and show you what to do right on your machine. And answer bars just been a dramatic difference for our company. That is so cool. You guys do so many cool little things. I love it. You guys, are you, you're growing fast? I don't understand how you don't have a hundred thousand people yet. <laughs> well, I, I believe we're over 1200, but yes, we are growing fast, but we, we've always done, John was the master at the calculated growth. John's business development skills were, you know, I get to be the technology guy and his business development skills are second to none. I mean, he, he talked about it to the board very early on that we were going to grow at a 30% rate because a lot of our sales are a year ahead of time. So even though we're selling right now, we can't change your benefit plan in the middle or how you're going to register for your benefits in the middle of the year. And so we've taken a conscious calculated growth for 30% a year. There are times our sales year has been at 50% that we just have to kind of pipeline it out like the Oracle story. Or, but we have taken a conscientious growth to a certain percentage. That is, that is extremely exciting and that's nice, consistent growth. So what, as we begin to wrap up, what are you personally most excited about today? You know, the, I personally love going back to the education system and trying to tell things that I've learned. Um, and I think we as a generation of technology, we're in the midst of probably one of the biggest technology booms in my, in my opinion of 20 and 30 year old softwares that are sitting out there for prime candidates to be updated. And we sit and we watch them because we all wanna invent Google or we wanna invent Twitter. The reality is if I'm a technology person coming out of college right now, the opportunities are enormous. And understanding that the, a lot of those solutions were written at times with mainframes still working today, which are great, but they're just, so much improvement. I think the healthcare industry is just prime for technology lift, including the pharmaceutical space. I think, I think even some cases there's monopolistic type of attitudes in some of that old architecture that I think people, I talk to this about students at universities all the time. You don't have to invent this mammoth thing. You can make things better in technology right now. And I'm really excited about it. And probably the second piece, in college and even in work, nobody taught me about volume. And we can learn to code, we can learn to test, we can learn to QA, but nobody teaches us about volume. Our professors hand us code to write, but unless you know how to handle volume. So, so many people write the greatest programs in the world and then all of a sudden 10,000 people come to it and it crashes. Well, we aren't teaching it. And it kind of goes with that clean thinking concept at the same time. So for me personally in technology, I think we're at a time in our generation that if I was coming out of school, I'd be ecstatic to build, you know, and don't get me wrong, I love the app interfaces and all that can be connected to it. But I think we're at a time that it couldn't be a better time to come out in technology. I want you to make a class at University of <laughs> Iowa called Clean Thinking and and Volume. <laughs> yeah. You know, honestly, I, I, I tell people it's, you know, the first three years of technology, you need to bite your tongue and suffer through some of, because that's really where you're learning the volume. You're learning the volume and how things work together because you've honestly been channeled in a university setting and it's spreading that out or a high school setting or whatever you want to say. You're spreading that out. You've probably seen that a lot in your work. Um, 
spreading that out is really that first three years of coming out of an education system. Well, this has been fantastic. I got, uh, I learned so much. (laughs) (laughs) And I love your style too, because you're like technologist, developer, but also entrepreneur. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. That's the bottom of my heart. And there's lots of people that say that. And then there's people that go dedicate their lives to it. (laughs) Yep. Right. I was one of those few guys that didn't believe technology eliminated jobs. I believe technology adds jobs. And I'm proud of it. All the companies we've created in technology and looking at the wages we've created net new, just even in business solver, technology does create jobs. It does not eliminate jobs. There's always the fear. And then it's like, it happens. And then we say, look at all the mail. The US post office didn't shut down from the internet. Look at, we're sending 10 times more mail now. (laughs) You got it. Yeah. The malls haven't shut down because people like to go to them. (laughs) There's always the doom and gloom people. And then yep. there's the opportunity people. So I'm always like, what are people really afraid of? Because there's a ton of opportunity there. <laughs> absolutely. I agree. <laughs> I agree. Well, Sean, this has been absolutely fantastic hanging out. Thank you so much for coming and spending some time with me today. Yep, absolutely. This was fun. It was nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Have a fantastic day. Thank you so much for listening. And if you found this episode useful, please share it with a friend or a colleague who you think would get value from it. And if you have topics that you'd like to hear discussed on the podcast, either add me on LinkedIn or send me an email, joel at moderncto.io. Every time I get an email or LinkedIn message, it absolutely makes my day and inspires me to keep going.